man, I just started thinking, with everything that's happened, what do you do when, when things don't go great, when things are terrible, when it seems like you're facing hardships? And this past year was different than most, but the truth is, is that we've been facing hardships uh, all our life. For some of us, it's just been one of those things that just is a part of life. You think every time you turn around, in fact, uh, have you ever had one of those days where you just feel like you're cursed, that no matter what you touch, it falls apart? Yeah, see, you're quiet, so I know that's you. We've all had those times. If you touch, if you touch the lawnmower, it goes apart. I'm not mentioning anybody in particular, Sandra. I'm just talking it loud. Uh, if, you touch, if you touch the lawnmower, it falls apart. If you touch your phone, it won't work. If you, if you go to the TV, everything doesn't work. You ever have one of those times where it just seems like nothing works? I think we all have those times. And so I was, I was thinking about one of the great stories about what happens when bad things happen, and it's the story of, of Paul and Silas. Man, here they are being locked up in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to learn a little bit about this. Um, what, what a great story of trials and tribulations and how we should respond during difficult times. The question we ask too many times is, is instead of why bad things happen to us, we should ask what should we do during bad things? Because things are going to happen. It's part of life. As long as you're alive on this earth, things are going to come your way that you don't want to deal with. Things are going to come with <clears throat> family issues. There's going to be financial issues. There's going to be health issues that you do not want to face and that whenever you're facing them, you're thinking, God, why does this have to happen to me? And so as we're going through this, I want you to know that God is more concerned with what you do than why it happens to you. <coughs> but we like to know the why. No one in here thinks uh, everything that's bad happens for their good, right? We tell ourselves that because that's what we're supposed to do. But the truth is most of us really have deep struggles with the idea of why is this happening to me? Especially when we see other people who are not living for God and not living the way they should. And all of a sudden it seems like every time they turn it around that, that instead of getting rained on, uh, they get sunshine. Instead of getting lemons, they always get lemonade. And it just doesn't seem fair. Today is Harrison's graduation. We've had several graduates graduate this past week. Uh, but I want you to know that something in life graduates is going to happen. Is bad things are going to happen. In fact, you're going to make some bad grades in college and on your university campuses. You're going to have some toxic relationships. You're going to put yourself in some bad situations and want to blame everybody else around it. And why do I know this? Because all of us who've gone before you have done the same thing. It's just a fact of life. So how we deal with it or what we do during those times matter a lot more than what happens to us. When we dive into Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 25, uh, Paul and Silas are already locked up. They're already dealing with the turmoil of being in prison. They're already dealing with the frustration and the stress uh, of going uh, and being locked up. And it says, around the midnight hour, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God and the other prisoners we're listening. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I go through bad times, I don't start off with singing hymns. I get there eventually, <laughs> but I don't start there. I usually start off, when I'm being honest, I usually start off with, why is this happening to me? Woe is me. This isn't fair. Why, do my, <clears throat> why does my wife always think I'm the blame when it's really the kids? Did she forget we were on a team together against them? You know, that it's us against them, not 
them all against me. I go to work and nothing seems to work out. I get frustrated. I get in traffic and everywhere I go, somebody wants to go slow and I don't want to go slow. I'm in a hurry. So I get mad and I drive a little faster and I get on their tail. And in fact, I have adaptive cruise control. And so sometimes I want to turn off the adaptive cruise control so I get right on their rear because I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm not mad at the person I'm taking out on. I'm just frustrated and I want to blame everybody else until God puts me in a spot, if I'm being honest, uh, where I'm humbled and all of a sudden something happens. And you have those moments, and God will release a song or a worship song will come out, and it'll hit me, and all of a sudden it overtakes me. And I just start, a lot of times if I'm by myself, I'll just feel tears well up in my, my, my eyes, and I just begin to pray and say, God, it's all, I'm so sorry. Because I should have started out with worship, but instead I started out with whining. I should have started out, started out with praise, but instead I started out with problems and, and, and blaming everybody and, and putting it on everyone else and, and saying it's not my fault, it's not my fault. Instead of taking ownership, what I did first is I want to say how everything else is everybody else's fault and God, anytime you want to enact the book of Psalms on them and strike them down, I would be behind that. But I don't. God humbles me. In fact, just recently uh, when that song came out, Wait on You by uh, Elevation Worship and their new album that just came out, I just, I just, I said, Sandra, you got to listen to the song. I said, so I, I put it on extra loud and she's going to the car. She goes, it's really good. And so she, she played it for somebody else. It's just sometimes the right song at the right moment just reminds you that, that you have to pause for the moment and wait on God. So here's the very first thing I think we got to learn and how we respond is when bad things happen, don't neglect your worship. Because the first thing we do is not think about worship. Remember, worship is not something we just do on Sunday. Worship is not just something we do when we come into a church house and it's time to sing. Worship is a daily product of who we are. you got to remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I fill my heart with praise, then when I get frustrated, praise is going to come out. <laughs> if I fill my heart with TV, what I've been watching is going to come out. If I fill my heart with the internet, what I, when I get frustrated, what I've been reading on the internet or watching on the internet is going to come out. But when I fill my heart with praises, all of a sudden I just begin to praise God. It says it doesn't matter that even in the dark valley, he is with me. That even though there's problems, he's still with me. That I don't have to fear because he's still with me. All of a sudden I begin to get built up all because I remember the reason that I'm here is to worship him. Paul and Silas must have felt the feelings of suffering when they were in prison. They must have felt the frustrations while they were in the bottom of the, of the prison. They had never done anything but good for God, and yet they find themselves in this very precarious situation. you got to think, how could everything go so wrong? One minute we're out preaching and proclaiming the gospel, we're doing miracles, and the next minute we're locked up in chains and being beat. They were in prison and stripped naked, beaten bloody, and possessing very little certainty in their life. What did they do about it? They chose to worship. They chose to worship God and focus their attention upon it rather than their misery. Being obsessed with our miserable circumstances is often a trap of the enemy. 
When you're obsessed with the misery and the bad things that's going in your life, it's a trap of the enemy. See, the problem is, is whatever we focus on has our attention. When all I have and all I can focus on is my problems, all of a sudden the problem gets closer and closer, and all I see is the problem. When Peter began to walk on the water, as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he stayed above the water. He, he, in fact, they were terrified. If we remember the story, he came walking out on the very thing that they were all terrified of because he had his eyes and focus on the right thing. But the minute he took his focus off Jesus, he began to sink. He began to go under. And Jesus had to pull him out. That's our problem. We take our eyes in the middle of problems, in the middle of tribulation, in the middle of, uh, of bad scenarios and problems so quickly that we begin to sink and we say, God, why did you let this happen? What we focus on matters. What we give our attention to matters. What we fill our life with matters. Focusing on God despite your circumstances will always bring about victory. It's focusing on God that really matters. So, so let me ask you, church, and this is just out there. No one needs to answer out loud. No one needs to embarrass himself. Let me just ask you, when problems came this past year, what did you focus on? What did you trust in? What did you fall back on? Finances, they're uncertain. Who knew when you were planning on building that house that lumber was going to shoot up? <laughs> Who knew that one gas line being taken out would all of a sudden make prices go and people go nuts at the pump? Who knew that in just a year later you'd go from one thing to the next and everything would be fine? Every, right about now, all of us if we're on Facebook or we're on anything, all of a sudden your memories is showing up. And you remember where you were at in March and where you were at in April and where you were at in May of last year. I remember in March, right before the pandemic hit, it was just getting the beginning of it. And Taryn uh, Robinson was over in uh, uh, James River Leadership College. And Sondra got to go up there and go have uh, dinner with her over at Black Sheep. And it popped up on my memory uh, wall during March. And then I remembered a, a few months later, we were doing something else. We'd shut down for the first time. I'm up here giving an announcement saying, hey guys, there's no in-person services. And I remember just feeling like I never thought this day would come. I remember trying to hold off to the little things like, like I'm blessed more than other pastors because I'm not preaching to an empty room. But at least I have about 10 worship team members that are sticking around and listening to the, to the word after I preach. There's a lot of my friends that don't even have that, but it definitely wasn't the same. But then I started having people go to the hospital, and I couldn't run up to the hospital. I started having people go into for emergency uh, room and, and, and overwhelmed and say, Pastor, please pray. And I said, I'm praying, but I couldn't go in with them. Their, their wife couldn't go in with them. Their kids couldn't go in with them. Nobody could come around with them. All of a sudden, now the nursing homes are shut down. And all of a sudden, you feel like it can't get any worse. Now now wives can't see their husbands, and husbands can't see their wives. And, and, and some of those who were in, in nursing homes who were so dependent upon that interaction didn't get it from their family, didn't get it from their kids because they weren't. And, and, and being in that room and in that environment they don't understand and all of a sudden it says why is nobody coming to visit me anymore and depression sets in and 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 just such a thing overtook us so quickly and everything that we trusted in fell apart and at the very end of it we have to ask ourselves what was our foundation built on in the beginning 
Is Christ really our firm foundation? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are these just words that we sing in the moment? Or is it where our faith really stands? Listen, I love this country, and I'm very blessed to be an American. I'm very blessed to, to have lived in two great states, in the state of Texas and in Arkansas for the last 15 years. My family's lived here, and my kids have grown up here, and I'm very blessed to, to be a part of what God is, is do, doing and work with great people in the ministry. But the reality is, is that even countries fall. So a lot of people who put their faith in the government and in the country, they were let down. Because again, at the very end of it, none of that stuff is going to hold you and keep you and make you stay above flow. The only thing you can trust is it is in Jesus Christ and him alone. It's in our faith. Verse 26, it goes on. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken in the foundation to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. I want you to remember this. When bad things happen, don't underestimate God's power. Never underestimate God's power. If we could do something else this morning, what we would do is we begin to take testimonies. And we would hear how God had set people free and healed people time and time again. That when you didn't have anything else and you were strung out on drugs and your family couldn't reach you and your friends were, were, were bad influences on you, all of a sudden God reached down in the pit and saw you and gave you hope and brought you out. And now you're standing upon a firm foundation, not because of people, not because of anything else, but Jesus Christ was there when you needed him and that's all that you had. For some of us that were relying on our finances and our job and our businesses to take us on and, and all of a sudden everything began to fall through and you couldn't make payments and you, you didn't know what you were, how you were going to pay your employees, all of a sudden you begin to realize that, that my hope is not built upon the finances of this business, it's built upon Jesus. There's something about God's power. As, as I begin to look over this room, I begin to see people who have overcome great things, healed of cancer. Delivered of drug addiction, delivered of alcoholism, delivered of, of sexual uh, 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 pornography sins, delivered of so many great things that God has been bringing you out. I see marriages that have been restored. In fact, just a couple of years, some of you were calling divorce lawyers and you were saying, what are we going to do? I don't think we're going to make it. We can't go on like this. But God intervened and now your marriage is stronger than it's ever been before. There's something about the power of God when we trust him, when he begins to move. There's something about the power of God when we begin to lean heavily upon him. He begins to restore us. When Paul and Silas chose to focus on God rather than their trouble, God wound up doing something extraordinary. The building crumbled. The doors were open and the chains fell off. God used one of the most destructive forces in nature to destroy, not to destroy, but to preserve his people. When bad things happen, we must not make the mistake of underestimating God. Let me just pause here for a moment and say, if you're in the middle of one of the worst situations you've ever been in your life, if you're going through a very difficult season in your life, I want to tell you right now, don't underestimate, underestimate God. <laughs> You can underestimate me. You can underestimate uh, uh, Pastor Caleb, but don't underestimate God. 
God is just getting started. If you trust him and you lean heavy on him, you're going to see him do great and mighty things. Verse 27, it says the jailer woke up to see that the prison doors were wide open, and he assumed that the, prisons had its, the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Wow. Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. <laughs> can you imagine having such trust in God that when you have your chance of freedom, you stick around to see what else God can do? <laughs> Not us. We'd all be running, wouldn't we? Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. Woo. We'd be sad, but here's what I want you to know. When bad things happen, don't seek revenge. Don't seek revenge. Don't pay, don't, don't repay, play or repay an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Realize that God can use these things for a great opportunity for his glory. One time. At our first youth pastorate, um, y'all going to think I have all these driving problems and issues, but I really don't. I don't think. Well, I don't think. Sondra may say differently, but she's not up here today. Um, <laughs> but I remember we, we were at our first youth pastorate. I was probably 20 at this time. Uh, and uh, there was a driver. They were going so slow. I was so aggravated. And I didn't honk because I don't do that. I got frustrated, I got aggravated, I remember driving a little closer to their bumper. And I followed them and followed them and said, please hurry, I'm in a hurry. And then they turned into the church parking lot. And I had a choice. So I stepped on the gas and kept driving by. And I waited 10 minutes and then drove back. <laughs> How to get them time to get inside. Why, what good did that do? I wound up being later. I was still frustrated. And now I had to look like an idiot. So, so the reality is, God can use any bad thing depending on how we act and how we respond for his glory. But in the midst, we lose great opportunities because we allow our flesh to get in the way. We... We live in a country and live in a time frame where everybody thinks they can just speak whatever they want. Speak your truth. Speak who you are. But you know what? What would happen if we just learned to do one thing and that's close our mouth? Hold our tongue. That when you have the right to say something angry and judge someone, you don't. When you have the right to call someone on the carpet, instead you use it as an opportunity to love them where they are. In fact, some of you are employees, employers uh, uh, of some employees that, that really frustrate you. And you have the great opportunity to call them on the carpet. But what if you, instead of calling them on the carpet, instead you called them in and said, listen, what's going on in your life? What can I do to help? What if instead of calling them out and seeking revenge, you called them in and said, listen, there's something going on in your life. I just want to be there for you. What's going on? What can I do to help? God wants to use the things that you're going through and the things that you're facing for his glory. But we have to begin to pull back and we have to begin to trust him. The need for revenge is one of our basic human needs. We got to get someone back. You get me, I'm going to get you. You frustrate me, I'm going to frustrate you. You talk down to me, I'm going to talk down to you more. You use sarcasm against me, boy, I got some more loaded in the chamber for you. She says something ugly to you, you're going to say something ugly right back. 
getting quiet. That's all right, right? I can live in the quiet. That's all right. See, the problem is, this is not the way the Lord moves. The Lord moves that in the middle of the anger, in the middle of the frustration, we say, God, not me but you. Lord, I pray that you'll shine through and not myself. I pray that, that, that though I want to lash out, though I want to get angry back, though I want to pay them back for what they did, instead I'm going to come back with a kind word and a kind tongue. And we know this, a soft answer turns away wrath. What we got to realize is the person who's going off on you may not even be mad at you to begin with. You were just available when the other person wasn't. So here it is. Matthew tells us exactly how we're at, to act in uh, verses 40 through 48. It says, you have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Makes sense to me. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wait a minute. So when I'm online and I post something and they make an argument about what I said, I can't go right back at them? You mean I'm not supposed to lash out and go off on their character and everything else I don't like about them? Hmm. Verse 45, in that way you'll be acting like, acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his... Sunlight both to evil and the good. Man. That's what, that, I think that's what frustrates me, God. Why are you going to bless them the same way you bless me? That isn't fair. Why do they get good things to happen to them? I'm saved. I'm doing everything. I'm keeping your law, and yet they get to go through good things. That stinks. I don't agree with that. In fact, if you want any suggestions, I've got some. And then he sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. Man, that's not what I want to hear. If you love those who love you, what reward is that there in that? Even the corrupt tax collector can do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else, even the pagans? Do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Not revenge, love. Not evil, appreciation. This, isn't, this is not being, about being naive. This is not just saying, everyone who works under you, you're just supposed to never correct it. Of course not. It's not what it's saying at all. It's talking about the attitude behind what you're doing. Not the actual action of what you're doing. Are you correcting them in love? Or are you correcting them in anger? Are you correcting them to make them better? Or are you correcting them just to go off on them because you have control issues? Are you arguing because you have to be right? <laughs> are you arguing out of love and pulling back because you don't have to be right? Is your, is your goal to live at peace with everyone, or is your goal to be right? Stop nudging your husband and wife. It's not nice. Verses 29 through 32 in Acts chapter 16. The jailer called 
for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked him, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. When bad things happen, look for an opportunity to be a witness. Look for an opportunity to show Christ. Out of all of this, the people who acted like Christ the most are the ones who are getting the most results with their belief. Many of us are waiting for the perfect opportunity to be a witness when, when, when the truth is, when problems come, is really the best opportunities. Perfect opportunities to witness almost never come around. Perfect opportunities to witness are not ones that God normally uses to be the most efficient. God uses those moments that are very difficult. In fact, Jesus used (laughs) some of the greatest turmoil in his life to change the lives of other people. I want you to think about it. It always baffled me when it said that he washed the feet of his disciples, even knowing one was going to betray him. Jesus reached for a towel when he could have reached for a title. He could have said, do you know who I am? You should be washing my feet. But he got down on his hands and his knees and he began to wash their feet. Jesus used the opportunity of being beat so that we could have healing. The Bible says the stripes upon his back are for our healing. He endured the cross for our sake so that we could be saved. Jesus used the most horrific, painful things that happened in his life to save us. Here we got this Philippian jailer. He's in one of the most difficult situations in his life, and he's waiting to hear what Paul and Silas say, and they offer him Jesus during what he thinks is going to be his last moments on life. When bad things happen, how do you respond? What are you doing with the opportunities that God has given you? Because here's what happened. The result, in my, as I'm closing in verse uh, 33, it says this. Even at that hour of that night, the jailer carried, uh, um, cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his house were immediately baptized. He brought them out of his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Here's what happened. In one of the greatest troubled times that they could ever be in, can you imagine doing everything right, feeling like you're doing everything right, and you still wind up in shackles in prison, beaten, bloody, and expecting more on its way? And instead of getting mad and angry, you begin to sing songs. Let me just tell you something about this. They, this wasn't something they did just because they were in a bad situation. The reason why they turned to worship is because this is something they always did. 
Worship was a part of their life. They would always sing praises. They were always worshiping. They would be walking along the, the road, and one of them would begin to sing, and the other one would begin to follow. They would just begin singing as they were traveling from one place to the next. When they would get alone in their time, and they'd begin to study the Word of God, they, as they studied the Scripts and the words that Jesus spoke, they would begin to, to worship, and they would begin to cry out to God. This wasn't something they did just during the bad times. What you do during the good times matter to what happens to you in the bad times. Preparing in the good times will make you ready for what happens in the bad times. What goes into you now will come out of you when you're squeezed. You are a spiritual sponge, and when the pressure's on and you're getting squeezed, what do you want to come out of you? See, this whole series we've been doing is all about proclaim. It's about proclaiming the gospel. It's about the gospel going forward. It's about what happened to the disciples after Jesus died and rose on the cross. We've been on this series ever since Easter. And it's all about proclaiming the gospel. How do you proclaim the gospel? And today, it's all about we as believers, when difficult times come and bad times come and situations come hard on our life, how do we respond and are we using those opportunities to be a witness? If you're in this place, you're struggling with your faith, there is no better day than today to turn it all over to God. There is no better day than today to begin to trust Him again. You can't go back and change what you said yesterday that you shouldn't have. You can't take back what you said on Friday to your spouse when you were angry and came home from a long day at work. But you can start today and make a brand new end. And for some of us that have been struggling in the squeeze, I just want to tell you, today I just want you to let God fill you back up. Let's all stand. And as you do, I'm going to ask prayer workers to come forward, my altar workers to come to the front. And here's what I'm asking. If you're in this place and you either don't know or you're not where you should be with your relationship with God, I want to give you an opportunity to make a fresh start today. Today is a great opportunity to make a fresh start. And there is no greater opportunity than now. As we go ahead in the the days ahead and in the future, what are you going to do when things get tough? How are you going to respond? So the first thing I want is I'm going to ask for those in just a second to come forward. If you've been struggling and you're not where you should be in your faith or you have no relationship at all and you desire to, you say, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today or I want to rededicate myself because I've drifted a long ways from where I need to be. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come first. And then the, the second one, my second call will be this. For those who have been dealing with trouble and you've been in a hard time and you haven't been responding the way you should and you're like, God, I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be used in difficult times. I want to be used in good times. Lord, I don't want to, when I'm squeezed, I don't want bad things to come out. I don't want to be angry all the time. I don't want to be mad all the time. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of feeling down and sad.
time. I'm tired of being depressed all the time. I'm tired of letting circumstances get over me. I want to make a difference. I want to, I want to let the love of God overflow in me. I want to let his glory shine through me. I want to be an example everywhere I go. And that's the second altar call I want for you. So with every head bowed, just for a moment, I'm going to pray over you and then I'm going to invite you. Father, right now I pray over every person in this place. Lord, of those who are struggling in their relationship and those who don't have one at all, God, today's their opportunity. So Lord, I pray that you're dealing with their heart. Lord, you're tugging on their heart right now for the opportunity to come and make things right once and for all and settle that eternal issue. God, Lord, today they start a relationship. God, there's nothing we can do to deserve it. So the only place to start is right here at an old-fashioned altar and giving our lives over to you. In Jesus' name, if that's you, if you are ready to start a brand-new relationship with God or you're not where you need to be with God, I want to invite you to come first. Don't miss it. Don't miss an opportunity. If God's calling you forward, I want you to come find one of these altar workers and they're going to pray with you and they're going to lead you and they're going to pray in agreement with you right now. Don't miss this opportunity. One's already coming. Who's going to going to come? Don't be in a hurry today. Don't be in a hurry today. Then for those that remain, if you're you can still come for the first call, but for those that remain, if you're tired of being frustrated, you're tired of being angry, you're tired of exploding every time someone says the wrong thing, you're tired of being in depression, you're tired of laying in the bed all moping and, and upset and sad all the time, and you're saying, God, I need something to intervene. I can't go on like this. Right now, these altars are open for you. I want you to come at this time. I'm inviting you right now to come at this time. Don't miss it. If you don't know you need to come, I promise you, your person next to you does. Don't miss this opportunity. Come now. Give it all to God. As the worship team begins to play, these altars are going to remain open.